HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Kane Vineyard and Winery, a Napa Valley winery committed to respecting the soil and dedicated to the creation of three Cabernet blends. For more information, visit Kane5.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby, broadcast live to the cosmos on the Heritage Radio Network. Welcome to another episode of Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Ann Saxelby. You can tune in to Cutting the Curd uh, every Monday uh, at heritageradionetwork.org. And you should check out the site regardless because we have a brand new website, actually, with news and uh, different food tidbits of all sorts um, that are in addition to the great shows on the network. So be sure to check it out, heritageradionetwork.org. Today's show is Making Cheese in the City with Brooklyn Kitchen. We're lucky to have Michelle Warner with us, who is the Director of Education at the Brooklyn Kitchen. Thank you, Michelle. You're welcome. (laughs) Um, So um, first tell us, so you're the Director of Education at the Brooklyn Kitchen, but I have to say this because I read it on Good Food Jobs. How did you go from being on the Oprah show to Director of Education at Brooklyn Kitchen? Um, (laughs) Well, I... I went to school to do like set decorating for theater and television and I was doing set decorating for the Oprah show and the series, the show was wrapping up. It was clear that we weren't going to have a job for much longer. Uh Um, And I also wasn't interested in buying like throw pillows and fitting decorative spaces, I guess, anymore. I wanted to be doing more education stuff and we were doing a lot of food shows on the um, Oprah show. And so I went ahead and decided to try and pursue actually being a culinary producer on food on the food network which is okay where i was headed and so i went to culinary school and got an internship at the food network but while i was in culinary school i worked at a recreational cooking school and it was just such a good fit for me that after my internship at the food network i looked for a place similar and the brooklyn kitchen had like just moved to their new space and they had room for they had these cooking classrooms they just needed to like build out the class curriculum a little bit more and so yeah 
So that's how it happened. Yeah. And so the history of classes at the Brooklyn Kitchen, um, I feel like I need to say this just because I remember it and it was such a ridiculous thing, but um, my friend Tom Mylan, who, you know, back in the day we worked at Murray's together in like 2003, and I remember hearing about one of the very first classes at the Brooklyn Kitchen when it was still on Lorimer Street, when Tom did a pig butchering class, and I think he came in like and 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 had like this pig head and just like stuck a knife in this pig head and i was just imagining that store which was much smaller than your current location filled with people cutting up a pig with like a pig head on the counter and i would say you've uh, you know come a long way baby it's like (laughs) yeah definitely the space now um is significantly larger and it was those pig butchering classes and the knife skills classes that kind of pushed uh the owners harry and taylor to move to a larger space and so the kitchen, you know, to have more pig butchering classes that weren't like having to shut down the entire retail store so we could get people in the classroom. So, yeah. Yeah. And for anyone who hasn't been to the Brooklyn kitchen, it's a really, really great store. It's on uh, the the address I think is a hundred frost street. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. It's right on the corner of like frost and Meeker. And there's a wonderful sort of space where, you know, there's, there's a grocery component with dried goods. Um, there's produce, there's cheese, there's dairy, there's the meat hook in the back, which is a great butcher shop, butcher shop. Then there's all the kitchenware, you know, and wonderful things that I end up buying way too much of because I'm just like, oh, I need that for my kitchen when I go in. Um, and then there's this gorgeous classroom. Um, so it's really a great sort of multi-purpose space. Yeah, it's definitely your one-stop shop for food, eating, and educating for sure. So tell me a little bit about the curriculum and how did you develop, how did you go about creating this job for yourself and developing the curriculum? Um, well, there was already like a good amount of interesting people teaching some classes in there and just decided I ended up putting like just a little more structure into into the program and kind of setting um sitting down with Harry one of the owners and figuring out like what our mission was and what our part like what we were kind of headed towards in our direction and that helped educate filling out the class curriculum and definitely I do a lot of consuming of you know food media to see kind of what people are interested in and what trends are you know what people are trends are people are following mm, and um yeah. you know when the brooklyn kitchen started it was a place a large portion of what they did was being a place to get canning supplies mm. and so we definitely had have, have a good like basis of pickling and jam making classes but you know i was just thinking the other day how our economy is you know on the rise and housing costs are going up and all those things and I think it's also leading to people to like expand themselves outside of simple like people know how to like pickle and we still have pickling classes but maybe you know it's time for like more broader classes or next level classes for that sort of homemaker DIY shtick yeah yeah well I when we were talking a week or so ago um I still have this like dream in my head of like the that urban homesteader boot camp you know like I feel like people yeah, want to learn all these different skills, and you already teach. You already teach many of them: pickling, butchering, um, yeah. cheese making, our cheese making class, which I want to talk about more in detail. <laughs> but um, but yeah, that's that's really interesting. It, well, and it's interesting that you say it in relation to the economy because I feel like 
in my mind, the more the economy improves, um, the more people kind of outsource that kind of yeah. thing. But do you see um, uh, the reverse? Do you feel like people with their leisure time actually want to invest in um, I think it's educating themselves? In some ways, people are like, oh, I don't like maybe aren't like I need to like learn how to make my own granola. But there's someone who's making really great granola that I'd, you know, I'd rather focus on buying something more specialty. But I think that um, with more having more financial flexibility, you relax a little and you want to spend your evenings, you know, doing something to enrich yourself. New Yorkers are people who love to learn. Like it's the new school is here and there's so much adult education that's going on. And I think that um, that's a great way that people like to recreate. Mm -hmm. And so getting to expand yourself and learning how to do like a lot of our like ethnic food classes, like Thai street food. Um, I saw and, Chinese takeout you know, dinner for couples. Had, I got to learn how to do that. Cause Patrick, my husband, he loves Chinese food and I actually can't, I hate it. I mean, I love good <laughs> Chinese food, but I don't like takeout that we get from yeah. our neighborhood place. Cause it's awful. So I feel like I have to come do that class. Yeah. So we can... just added that one. Um, and it's, it's a really fun, it's a fun, like, take on it because New York having lived in like eight different states I feel like New York has some of the best Chinese takeout and it's kind of neat to learn those skills I know that like having every instructor teaches me a lesson when they before they teach at the Brooklyn Kitchen and having like learned things while those you know different instructors like uh, Diana Kwan who teaches that class uh, taught me some things while she she did a scallion pancake and that was just really cool to be like, oh, this is like pretty easy. I can, I can just like, I have flour, I have scallions, I can make that. It's pretty satisfying to be able to create that stuff and customize it as well. Yeah, so. yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to sign up for that one for sure. Um, <laughs> so, how do you find your instructors? How, and, and that must be a pretty serious vetting process because if you're going to sort of authorize this person to teach, how do you sort of go about that? Um, I always think like sometimes I've set up a really intense job for myself when we get instructors because I am really particular about who we have teaching because I want our students to have like the best experience and I think we have you know people really walk away satisfied with their classes at the Brooklyn Kitchen because we've made sure that they're like working with a professional or someone who's confident in what they're doing and they've done it before and um, so some of our instructors come to me and they just email classes at the Brooklyn Kitchen and they sound interesting and they come in for an interview and Others, um, I pursue our cheese making instructor. Definitely, like I went out and found her and um, de- like re- the Roberta's Pizza class, which we have. They already had the relationship. It's kind of interesting to like go out and check out restaurants. And though restaurant chefs are some of the busiest people in the city, they want to expand and try, you know, cooking in a different venue. So yeah, and kind ways. of like I, I feel. You know, as someone who works in food, it's like working at at the store is different than doing a staff training for a restaurant. And it's nice to be able to have both things because you kind of learn, you inadvertently learn more about your profession and about the things that you purvey or that you cook when you do stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. And so who would you say is your sort of, um, is your audience? Who takes your classes? Our audience, um, our age range is pretty wide but I'd say we're like mid-20s into like 50s is our like our medium probably stops at about 40 okay Um, but we definitely have a wide range and people bring their families and it's like sometimes uh 
there's always that like really enthusiastic aunt who has that nephew who's really great at cooking and so we'll get like a 12 year old in every once in a while and it's always really fun oh that's um, cute yeah they're just <laughs> I'm like if your family feels confident then we should try and let you in the classroom um but so that's our kind of medium age range and then from there it's usually just excited home cooks. We have professionals often will come take like the pig butchering class because they might work the line in a kitchen, but they want to see the like breakdown of a pig. Mm. But there's a lot of couples that come or singles looking for coupling who come and take our classes. <laughs> um, but um, I was yeah. thinking as the singles couple and begin to have families and you can offer a whole range of kids uh, cooking exactly. courses, you know, in the next couple of years. Yeah. As we're, as Williamsburg like gets older as a, as in, in its certain, in its current incarnation, our, the kids of our clients are growing up a little more. And so we're going to try having some kids classes in the new year, actually. So, yeah. Very, very cool. Well, I'm just looking, um, it's time to take a really short break, but when we come back, we're going to continue chatting with Michelle Warner of the Brooklyn kitchen and talk more about your cheese making classes. So stick with us. This is Chris Howell from Cane Vineyard and Winery, calling in from Spring Mountain above the Napa Valley. Thank you for listening to this show. In our industrial world of highly processed food and wine, we support the values of Heritage Radio Network. All of us at Cane encourage you to seek out individuality and beauty in everything you eat and drink. To learn more about us, go to Cane5.com. And we're back on Cutting the Curd. You're listening to the Heritage Radio Network. You can tune in to Cutting the Curd and a whole host of other great shows at heritageradionetwork.org. Today we're talking about making cheese in the city with Michelle Warner of the Brooklyn Kitchen. And in this segment, we're going to focus a little bit more on um, the cheesemaking curriculum at Brooklyn Kitchen. Um, We were talking about it a little bit the other day, and you were saying, you know, you guys... you guys offer sort of the 2.0 version of cheese classes. I feel like most cheese classes in the city are more geared towards pairing or, you know, maybe learning about the different styles of cheese, but you guys actually make cheese. Yes. Yeah. Um, our, in like kind of going back to who our clientele is, I feel like our, I know that our students are people who want to roll up their hands. They want to make something. They're not just interested in tasting. Um, I love a cheese tasting class. I could just, you know, <laughs> who doesn't learn, you know, yeah, who doesn't like sitting there with a the plate of cheese and a glass of wine? That's Absolutely. a good, good way to spend an afternoon. Um, but, but so Emily Acosta, who works at, um, Italy, she's one of their cheesemongers, teaches our cheese making classes. 
and she um, we do a mozzarella class and when I started there the mozzarella class we would get Belgioso curd and stretch it and make mozzarella which is kind of the like industry standard like restaurants get that brand of curd and they stretch it and make mozzarella um, and I just thought you know with the Brooklyn Kitchen being the kind of place where we're very from scratch that we should and we have all these really great farms that we're working with and get can get really nice dairy um, that we should try doing it from milk and so it was it was a little tricky to figure out the timing and the class is actually longer than most of our classes it's two and a half hours instead of two hours and um, yeah so students get to see the process from milk to curd to mozzarella which is really fun wow you can do the whole thing in two and a half hours that's awesome yeah, yeah it's neat and um, one of the things that we kind of it was first developed by Andrew Torrens, who used to work at Beecher's. I'm not sure where he's working now, but um, the first class we had, half the group, their curd didn't... It didn't set? Yeah, it didn't set. Uh-oh. And it was like a panic, and I was like, no, we're learning. Like, you know, I'm a very, like, teacher kind of person. So, like, it's great. Like, if half of the class fails, it doesn't matter, because it's not dinner. Like, we can... It's not... We're not worried that people aren't going to eat. We're going to see what didn't go right, and then um, we can evaluate what factors caused the cheese, the curd not to set. And cheese making is really about that. It's not just about following a recipe always. You know, there yeah. are different um, sort of environmental factors. The milk might be a little bit different. The temperature might be a little bit different. And it's learning to pay attention to all those details that allows people to make cheese and make it consistently because yeah. every time you do it, it's going to be a little bit different. So you yeah. have to kind of respond to that. So do people get bummed out if their curd um, doesn't set? That was the... F- that was the largest like setback of all the classes. Occasionally, one class there, one group they won't make curd, and um, we can like they stretch each other. You know, they can they share. It's not there's enough curd to go around. I guess yeah. you could say <laughs> so. Everyone gets the full experience, but um, I think it's really in the hands of the instructor, and that and Emily is just like just one of the most delightful people to be around anyway. So um, and Andrews also did a great job at that too. Um, but just to, like, you know, move the class towards understanding it's the lesson, I think, is always the way we, you know, we try and handle it in all of our classes. Usually um, everything goes according to plan, but occasionally if someone's, you know, we're, when you're in a learning environment, you're not going to always make things correctly. When I was in culinary school, there was definitely, like, a mayo situation where I couldn't get it to come together. And the instructor, <laughs> like, was with his, like, tough... French like culinary training wanted me to feel bad about it but in the end he was just like okay now you know like how to fix this because we you know so there's that that comes from those sorts of you know situations right right no that's great that's really great um and that is really unique people come to the shop all the time my shop and they're like how do I you know make mozzarella and they think you know they can just buy a gallon of milk and go home and do it and it's certainly possible but it's a lot harder than it sounds yeah. so that's really valuable that you guys offer that yeah we have class. a our chef class is also that's an even that's our other major cheese class right now and that one is definitely like a whole other level where um 3 days ahead of time we start like this first step and then this 2 days ahead of time we we do the first step again so the students can see all of the steps in one in one condensed in time one, period. Yeah, two and a half hour block. That's awesome. So because you can see all of those processes. Yeah. Because as much as like, it would be cool if every student could come by, you know, Saturday, Sunday, Monday to see the cheese making process. It's nice that we can like 
you know, take the bites. I think I pull in my television, food television background for that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, and it's, um, you know, it's, it's just, uh, watching cheese being made in real time is not the most exciting thing <laughs> for some, for some people. And, you know, I've, I love the cheese making process and have made cheese at a bunch of different farms, but you know, there's a lot of sit around and wait, you know, mm -hmm. there, and cause you have to wait for things to ferment yeah. and it doesn't look like anything's happening and it takes a long time. Yeah. And so that's nice. So you can kind of condense yeah. it for people. Yeah. Um, well, so th something that I, I really want to talk about is, uh, um, sort of the popularity of cheese making um, and sort of this whole like urban homesteading idea. It's like pickling and preserving is like kind of cool, you know, butchering is cool, yeah. but cheese making still kind of like, eh, like not, know, what's not so cool. cool. Yeah. So what's, <laughs> what's up with that? What can, what do you attribute that to, you know, seeing all this, uh, you know, ingesting all the food media that you do. And um, I think that, there's such a, like, I guess a pig is an animal that you can see quickly broken down into usable parts, and mm. that's really straightforward. And when you interact with, like, a pork chop, it's a pork chop, you know? Even if you're making a meatball, it's still, it's very simple. And I think that cheese has such a wide variety. And, you know, everyone loves, like, people, you know, go nuts for some brie or love a good cheddar. And there's just such a wide range it might be, it's kind of hard to like wrap your mind around the like smaller bites. Mm -hmm. And in classes and cooking classes, it's definitely um, important to focus on those smaller elements and then build on those skills into more, you know, because once you make a mozzarella ball, you could, you know, burrata is another arm of the mozzarella world or smoked mozzarella even, you know, we, we need to like learn how to take the smaller bites. And so, I think it's a matter of people like un getting a little bit more comfortable and understanding that. And like, if you've ever made ricotta, it's incredibly easy to make ricotta and it's yeah. very satisfying and delicious. And from there, you know, hopefully people can like see the like simple parts and then expand on from there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned a brie or a cheddar, you know, people liking these certain types of cheeses. I guess cheese making is, um, you know, has its challenges as well because it's not possible to make, I mean, it's possible to make a lot of different types of cheese, but some of those aged cheeses, it's really hard, near yeah. impossible to make at home. Yeah. An aged cheddar or Gruyere style. Yeah. I recently did a staff training at a restaurant um, and a guy came up to me afterwards and he was like, so you're telling me that I can go online and buy, and buy cultures and I could buy the cultures to make Gruyere. And I was like, well, yeah, you know, technically you could do that. And so, but I could see the wheels turning in his mind and he thought that he was going to go home and make Gruyere, which, you know, is a giant 80 pound cheese that yeah. needs to age in special caves for like a year or more. And yeah. he was like, he, he, you know, it was, it was just really funny because I was like, well, it's not that simple. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Chev or mozzarella. Absolutely. You can totally yeah. do that at home. But these more um, aged cheeses are a little bit, trickier yeah um, i think that it's just like um when you're working with like so sausage versus salami you know like salami is you know it's also aged and it has to be in a specific temperature controlled space and it needs like the right kind of bacteria and just like cheese making but sausage making is very very simple and approachable you know being like meat hook has flavor combinations that 
I, you know, I just appreciate and can't make myself, but the bacon cheeseburger, the bacon cheeseburger. Sausage, That's a good one. <laughs> the green chorizo, yeah. all of them anyway. But, um, to, if, if you're excited about making sausage, start there and then, you know, work up to a place where you could maybe try curing your own meats and just like making chev and then you can age it. But yeah, to like, if you're really going for the next level of making Gruyere, you obviously can't. You're going to have to, like, maybe, like, go on vacation someplace <laughs> for a year. Maybe, maybe the Brooklyn Kitchen is going to have to build cheese caves. Yeah, and then you can, like, you know, have the, you can have an affinage course is, yeah. like, the second, is the second part. Um, but, well, this is kind of a good segue then because, you know, we're talking about people not really being able to make these more complicated cheeses at home so easily. And yet they do. Um, I just heard last week, last Friday, actually, there was a, a cheese speakeasy, um, that was put on by Matt Spiegler, who is a, he's a blogger. He writes the blog cheese notes. He's actually been on the show before. And Jessica Stennett was his, uh, his cohort in, um, putting this thing on. And they basically um, had this event at a bar in Bushwick, and all these urban cheesemakers brought their homemade cheeses, and people went to town, and they just had cheese and beer. And from what I could see from the pictures, I mean, there were all different types of of cheeses. There were washed rind cheeses, fresh cheeses, bloomy cheeses. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really impressive. So somehow, somewhere... Yeah, people I mean, here are making these cheeses. You can do a lot of sort of rigging with various um, refrigerator situations, like wine fridges and things like that. Yeah. So I know of, there's like some woman who has a great blog, which I can't remember at this moment, um, who makes a lot of her own cheeses. It might really... have been this this woman. What's her um, oh, Jessica's blog? I'm trying to. I don't know what Jessica's blog is. I'm sorry, Jessica. I will I will find it and we'll put it in our notes on the on the website. But um, so the there, I feel like the vanguard is there. They yeah. are making cheese and yeah. they will make it cool. Yeah, and someday and tell, they can give me a call. I'll help, I'll help them make it cool. Yeah, We're together. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. No, I think that when people, you know, I'm in the my desk is actually in the kitchen, so I get to interact with our um, customers who come in and. We have two classrooms, but our downstairs classroom is like two-story, beautiful brick, uh, brick-walled dynamic room. If you haven't seen it, come check it out. But people are always like, ooh, you know, chef making or whatever. They get so excited. Um, it's a matter of like them feeling like they could do it at home. And sometimes, you know, the name might sound good, but like the actual follow-through isn't always um, there. I feel like even in our fresh pasta class, which... Making fresh pasta is just one of the best ways to enjoy pasta, and that class is very successful. But I wonder, like, how many people are going to actually go home and do it, because it does, you can, like, I know some women who, like, get together once a month or every couple months, and they all make a bunch of pasta, and then they freeze it, Mm. so then they have fresh pasta for a while, but it's like you're doing it together, and it's social, um, that's a great idea. Yeah, it's a really it's a good it's like way the to, stitch and bitch, but yeah, for pasta making. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, I want to do that. I've done that. Like when I lived in Chicago, I did that with a friend after we took a fresh pasta class at a place like the Brooklyn Kitchen, um, and that was a good way to like take a bite out of something that's a lo- can be like time consuming but pretty simple. But then you have like the investment in the long term instead of just like one evening's worth of pasta exactly well and then like you said it's a social thing and it's much more fun to cook with friends than it is to cook by yourself 
So like, I like it. Gr- cheese making, group cheese making. Mm-hmm. We could totally do that. Yeah. yeah. Well, the speakeasy sounds fascinating. I know. We're going to have to go to the next one. Yeah. I, I was, I heard about this one too late, but apparently they're planning another one oh. and it was sold out. So, you mm-hmm. know, the, the, there was a lot of interest. Um, I feel like maybe it's funny, the cheese speakeasy, it kind of reminds me of the home brewers. You know what I mean? I feel like mm-hmm. there's some similarities there between like people who, you know, because it, re- it requires a certain patience and a certain almost like obsession to do this kind of stuff at home. So yeah, yeah, maybe, I don't know. There's the homebrew cheese making correlation. Yeah. Do you guys do any brewing classes? Yeah, we have a homebrew class and, um, we have an advanced homebrew class less often once a month we have a home brewing class that's great um, and we have a whole section in the store to buy everything you could possibly need to brew beer and make cider and things like that so we have a pretty strong uh homebrew clientele for sure that's awesome and there's definitely like that's definitely like a click industry or world of like <laughs> it is yeah no, very it's a tribe it's a yeah. tribe for <laughs> <Yes>. sure yeah <laughs> So what about events um, in your space? I know that um, people have all different kinds of events of their own in your classroom. So can you tell us a little um, bit about that? I mean, we have our own like event. We host our own events for just like private classes. But then um, we have, there's Evidco, which is a like small business development group. Um, Evidco is an acronym that I don't want to take on. But um, <laughs> once a month they meet, they have... Um, these free meetings in our space and people can uh, learn about like setting up insurance for your small business or how do I like, that's great package my food for my small business in a legal way. And it's, that's a really great, like, you know, monthly resource resource. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, Oh, I've worked a long day, but I kind of want to stay and hear about, you know, accounting for your small business. (laughs) Fascinating things. (laughs) Yeah. You can't learn enough about that stuff. There's always more. Um, but we have a lot of different little events. Um, Ivan Raman, who's, we're opening a space, uh, next Wednesday at Gotham West market. It's our second location. That's going to be big. 11th and 44th. Okay. Gotham West market. Everybody write it down next Wednesday, November 20th is the big day. And Ivan Raman, who, Ivan Orkin, who has a bunch of a couple of ramen shops in Japan, is opening his first U.S. location there too. And we had an event for him to like kind of test out some recipes and get some, you know, New York interest in the kind of food he's making. So that's another kind of event that we've done. And yeah, sounds delicious. We'll put together a beer and cheese night for sure. We've got a good relationship with great brewers and awesome. a lot of great cheese people. I think that would be, that would be a good party. Yeah. That'd be a very good party. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Michelle, for being on the show. It's been fascinating to hear about, um, your trajectory professionally and all the great classes that you offer at Brooklyn kitchen. Um, and if people want to learn more, um, your website, brooklynkitchen.com, the brooklynkitchen.com, the brooklynkitchen.com. So check it out. Yeah. Learn to make cheese. It's cool. (laughs) Yeah. We'll have a January and February classes up shortly for purchasing and uh we're definitely getting stocked up for thanksgiving awesome well uh until next time this was cutting the curd on the heritage radio network thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org you can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the itunes store by searching heritage radio network 
You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.